1: for Friday, oh, that's louder, February (laughs) 19th, April 19th, 2013. This week, episode 281 comes to you from Studio D in Central City, Pennsylvania. My name is Radio Joe Hughes, and here with me at the controls is our engineer, Roxy V, Val Bender.
2: Hi, everyone.
1: All right. Today's segment. Oh, and of course, joining us from McKees Rocks is my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick.
0: Joe, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure on Fridays to work with you and Val
1: and Dieter. Thanks. And we feel the same way up here on the mountain. Of course, joining us later will be our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow, Today's guest will be Cindy Sullivan out of the Boston, Massachusetts area. We'll talk a little bit more about her in just a moment. We're going to look at uh, a patient's perspective today. We're going to talk a little bit about dampness and mold illness, and, and we're, we brought in a patient of one of our recent guests, Dr. Uh, Dr. Irene Grant. Of course, we'll have our halftime. we will be a brief halftime today, and we'll go to the roundup at the end. Before we get started, let's thank our
3: marquee sponsors. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com.
1: John Don products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com.
3: Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleancleanfax.com. And CMMOnline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products.
1: All right. You can always catch our show later by downloading shows from the uh, IAQ Radio website. You can go to the button that says Go to Show. That will take you where you can right click on the show and download it to your favorite MP3 player. Of course, you can also get us from ITunes. We have ABIH, IICRC, and ACAC continuing education credits. Just send me an email at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. And last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust. Of course, that's at iaqtraining.com. Let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question.
0: Thanks, Joe. win a cool prize by out-competing fellow IEQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IEQ Radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is very easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. Congratulations. To Andy Krozowski, Comcast Metal Products, Mars PA, who was first to identify computers and monitors as the first two products labeled with the Energy Star designation. The IEQ Radio trivia question for Friday, April 19, 2013, has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restores and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is www.trsca.org. Now for today's trivia question. What term is used to refer to infection with or disease caused by fungi in humans or animals?
1: Back to you, Joe. All right, Cliff. Hey, by the way, folks, I've got a special prize here. Andy... If somebody can beat Andy, you get the special prize. We got a couple of really nice uh, trucks. They're like these model trucks. And, and Andy, even if you uh, don't win this one, you've got one coming just for being such a great participant on the IAQ Radio trivia question. They were sent to us by a listener up in Canada. Anyway, today's guest is Cindy Sullivan. She's out of Boston, Massachusetts, and she's a, a vet tech, so a veterinarian technician and, and, and a patient of a recent guest, Dr. Irene Grant. We have had MDs on the show. We've had PhDs on the show. We've had uh, indoor environmental professionals, certified industrial hygienists, but we've, we really never focused on the patient side of things except for uh, one show or two or so we did with uh let's see sharon uh sharon kramer has been on the show in the past we did focus with her and of course we had uh melinda ballard at one point in time but she's more of a celebrity nowadays than a patient cindy called us after last week's show and suggested hey why not do a show with a patient someone that's actually dealing with dampness mold related illness and we were more than happy to have her on so i think we've got some intro music for cindy
3: Growing mold in my heart. Growing mold in my brain.
1: Growing mold all around. Alright, let's see. Cindy do we, uh, unmute her. Cindy, do we have you on the line? Hello. Hi, C- Hello, Cindy. Thanks for joining us. I know it's crazy. You're you're out of the Boston Mass area
2: um now things have been a little crazy up here yeah a little
1: hectic aren't they um i i understand are you still locked down
2: nope um well um you know just a lot of warnings and, and whatnot and you know um i guess they're still you know out looking for for one more person um just it's a lot of chaos
1: I'll bet. and you know
2: the whole the whole place you know everybody's affected by it it's, it's, it's a scary situation
1: well we hope I uh, wish everyone up there the best. All of our friends in the Boston area, I hope you're uh, recovering from that nightmare, and hopefully this will all be ending very soon here in in a in a good way. Let's hope we get this done. Anyway, Cindy, we talked. You called after the Irene Grant show. I know you're a patient of Doctor Grant's. You love Doctor Grant. We love Doctor Grant. We had a great show with her, but we we want to look at things from your perspective here this week. And you know, I wonder if maybe we could start by if you could give us an idea of what kind of mold or dampness issue did you have in in your existing situation here,
2: well, in my situation, and again, I think this is probably the most critical for all patients um, they don 't think that this exists as much as the medical community doesn 't believe that it exists until you 're a victim. Um, in my case um, well how how things unfolded once i actually learned that i I had mold in my body. Um, you had to kind of go back to the beginning of, of you know, when did this all start? You know, what were the symptoms, and and kind of, it, it's a puzzle, um, Joe. It really, it really is. And it came with me. It came down to, um, I am a veterinarian technician, and my daughter owned a horse, and we were at a, a barn that we, um, we, she had her horse staying at, and basically, I would be down there every morning. Um, cleaning out the horse stalls and taking care of all the horses. And, you know, I'd be down there for three hours in the morning. We had a horrible flood. Um, we had a flood in the barn, um, and it was in April of 2007. Um, the compost had come into the barn. Uh, it, was, it was a, sh- a sheer disaster. Um, so I, I cleaned it up. Um, somebody had to clean it up. Um, and within days, um, when I looked back, within days, things started happening. Um, as I would drive down the driveway in the morning, I would see, uh, animals, just animals dead with no, 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 sign of any type of trauma. I, I didn't know what was going on. And, um, then the horses started becoming ill, um, runny nose, coughing, hives, itching, it, literally going crazy. Um, fortunately for us, um, my daughter's horse was very young, recovered. um, and but the other horse didn't. After about thirty thousand dollars of trying to save his life, um, couldn't get a handle on it. It was very aggressive, um, and even sadly, there was the death of a, of a, a person that lived in the, that owned the property. Um, he just wasted away to nothing. Nobody could figure out what's wrong with him until he finally died, and they had hospice in there. Um, so in my in my story, <clears throat> again, there's always a question of um, did I actually inhale the spores from the compost pile, which I know I did. Um, and then I also brought home the horse blankets that were drenched with all this to clean them, and I threw them in my basement. Okay. Not going, you know, I'll, you'll wash them later. And they sat down there for a few days and it just it went haywire. It went haywire. It was the perfect condition for anything that was on that blankets to grow. Um, and it just went throughout the basement and um, that was pretty much how how most of this started for me.
0: Cindy, can I go back and, and just clarify It's Cliff. Can I just go back and clarify a couple of, of issues? So, number one, we know that there was this flood in uh, 2007, and it flooded the barn. Approximately how much water uh, went into the barn?
2: I would say it was enough. I, I would say that there had to have been at least, um, you know the stalls are matted, and some of it is dirt, so it would absorb some of the dirt but it was enough to soak the you know the, the, the stalls the shavings i mean um you know and we, we put hey, but so is
0: this in, inches or feet or? Oh,
2: is this is inches I would say there was probably about two inches of water
0: okay um, i I got gotcha. you and, and,
2: and um, you know w- was, was,
0: was this a general flooding condition?
2: Oh yeah, we had just had a really bad weather that year, and it was it, it was spring we just had this horrible. We were flooding like crazy up here. Roads were all, you know, blocked off. And then what added to it right after was, you know, warm, warm weather. I mean, the stuff just went haywire. And um, I think that's the beginning of, I I think that was the telltale finally sign of us figuring out what, what had happened down there. What was happening down here at this barn? Why were animals getting sick? Why were they dying? What was going on? And You don't think environmental. Some people aren't even aware that you can become sick from from mold. And it's really sad. It's really sad. Was your Um,
1: basement flooded as well? I'm sorry. I
2: I had had a problem with our basement once where we flooded, but I cleaned it up pretty good. But I did do testing. Um, um, I did testing, and um, it came back with two numerous amounts to even count them of how much mold (laughs) was in the air just in the air alone down there
0: going back to your cleanup how when did you clean it up how long after the flooding did it take you to clean it up and and how did you clean it up
2: oh in the barn well uh, basically um i'm there it was there every morning you know six o'clock seven o'clock so um and i'll bring this interesting fact because i just think it's Point brings so much as to the recovery and what happened there. You know, in, in the barn, was um, it probably took me? I don't know. I'd say, I, I'd say just maybe at least eight hours of just getting the water out of there and the manure that had just gone through the entire barn um, and all the compost out. Um, eight hours of just doing that as much as you can, getting it out and getting it dry. And interestingly enough, um, there, was, there was four horse stalls there in that particular barn. One is always left empty, and then there was another border, and then the owner's horse. And interesting, um, regardless that our horse had symptoms and signs of this exposure, his stall was the only stall that was cleaned down to the actual mats where I removed all of the shavings, I bleached everything out, I aired it out and put everything fresh in. The other two horses, they didn't they didn't ask me to do it and and that's what happened. They both got sick and one finally died.
0: We we oh, able to I, figure I, out I, what I, I guess I guess what I'm trying to figure out is that, you know, we had we we've done some training, a lot of it, you know, particularly, and one of the things that we did during training was to simulate sewage conditions and and sewage cleanup. Mm -hmm. And what we actually used for this simulation was actually horse manure, fecal matter from horses. And the the reason that we used it, okay, was, you know, what we were doing was bacterial cleaning. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, what would happen is the E. coli that was in horses uh, poses no threat. You know, the bacteria poses no threat to right. to humans, but right. we could test before and after positive and negative to determine how well, you know, the, the, the students had done. So I'm trying to figure out where the fungi came from. Do you think it was in the manure itself, or do you think Oh, I do.
2: It, I definitely believe it was from the manure itself. Uh, at one point, I started thinking that maybe it was from hay that we usually had— we, um we cropped our own um, field and um, but if when I look back at time <clears throat> I and we had actually lost our first cutting because of so much rain at one other point we had just been again we were bombed with rain up here for quite some time um the only other thought would have been that we did have somebody bring in um you know we and we ended up buying hay from them because um, we had lost our cut so um and that would be the only other thing that I could really um you know point a finger at that we had bad hay um but even then um, it, the way that the animals were reacting and um it it was and and there was animals outside of the barn as well I mean this wasn't um you know just an inside. Uh, enclosed area. We're talking, there was, you know, multiple animals just kind of everywhere, so it just, I think it just swept through, and it was really bad, and you add a little heat, and there you go. Um, you know, you've got you've got a really toxic field, pretty C- much. You're living in a toxic field.
1: Cindy, did you have the horse, uh, Do they do like an autopsy, or give you some idea why the horse died?
2: You know, again, it was horrible. I remember going down, um, I I got my horse cleared, um, health checked, um, and I sold him right away. I didn't want him. I didn't want him in there anymore. Um, and I was working tons of hours anyway, so I hardly had time to even go down there to enjoy him. And um, but the other border, you know, she didn't have an autopsy, and I'm so surprised because. She had literally poured like thirty thousand dollars into saving this horse's life. I mean, it, it, and it ended up that you know, no, you know, he he didn't make it. Um, and again, it was questioned bacterial infection and this and that. And I would be down there every morning taking care of him for for her. Um, and the vet, you know, he he was he he couldn't fig he couldn't figure it out. He really could not figure out what was really going on here. Well, you're a
1: vet tech. I mean, when you're working with other people's pets, do the veterinarians do do any kind of testing to evaluate whether they have maybe a fungal infection or something? That's a great question, Joe.
2: (laughs) such a great question because, yes, we do recognize that. We recognize it so simple and so easily, Um, and it's because we know that animals are in that environment um... we know that you know they're environmental they're on the ground They're, they can get into stuff they eat stuff they ingest stuff they don't make sometimes the best decisions and we know we know that grain can be contaminated Um, we know that hay can be contaminated we know there was i think a recall on the imes dog food back in two thousand seven that was from corn Um, the corn was bad that they made the dog food with and everybody's animals were dying Um, and yeah, so we we are we are well aware of it. Um, but, but
1: in this case, you 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 just kind of didn't think about that, or I'm, I'm just curious. Oh, like,
2: you know, I, again, the way when it we I don't know why we we didn't really really think of it. And again, at that point, um, you know, I had gotten my horse sold. I got him a clean bill of health. I he had a, I got him a great home, and. I was just kind of like, you know,
1: it's time to move on. I don't know what's gut. going on right.
2: down here right now, but I don't want to be here anymore. Sure. You know, at the same time, I really, I knew there was something going on, and I just didn't know, and I just didn't want to be exposed to it anymore. Right. Well, so how, I was, I was running.
1: How long after this did you start to have health issues, and what type of health issues were they?
2: Well, the first, first thing I noticed was, um, my feet were extremely. Itchy, red, and they were swelling. They kept swelling. And I, to the point I couldn't even get shoes on. Um, and I just fatigued, didn't feel myself. Um, and I just blamed it on, you know, athlete's foot or whatever, and I would put topical stuff on it. And, again, that's why I say it's so critical for people to realize, you know, early symptoms and what to do right then and there, because that can, that can actually give you some good answers.
1: Well, is that a common early symptom? I'm not familiar with that being a common early symptom.
2: No, for me, I mean, well, again, I had extremely runny nose. Um, like drainage would just be pouring out of my face, coughing up blood. I hear many people. That's usually the first the first symptom. In, in my case, not only did I have inhalation infection, but I also got it um, cutaneously. So... Um, so basically, that was really the first sign, and then, I, you know, I started kind of getting a little rash, and, you know, it was summer, you would think, okay, you know, no big deal, maybe it's a little poison ivy, and put something on it, and then, probably about, uh, went to see a doctor, he put me on prednisone, thinking, you have an allergy, and within five months, I had a heart attack, that was it, I was down, and um, and my life hasn't been the same since, I mean, it just started becoming what it does for every patient um, that's out there. And, and I speak for all of us. They go from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor looking for help. And and I don't understand because it, it is it is easy. It, 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 it could be easy. Um, there are blood tests out there that um, can show this. And it's one tube of blood. And um, if we'll doctors take this as a mainstay of their practice of uh, you've been exposed let's do this test it would just save so much time and lives.
1: we want to get into that in more detail in a little bit but before we do i think cliff may have another question about how we got to the point where we're at right now okay cliff um, or maybe if you don't, I do. I thought maybe you wanted to step in. So go out. ahead, Joe. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm taking notes. So yeah, Cliff does a blog after the show, so he's he's taking notes, making sure he's got everything down here. But anyway, <laughs> Cindy, so you you noticed these um, respiratory problems? The you, I think you said you were coughing some blood and and you oh, know, yeah. major respiratory problems. The fatigue, the kind of thing we hear pretty commonly. The foot thing was a little different for me, but we'll we'll get into that in in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how quickly after? that exposure did you start to see these things occurring?
2: After that exposure, and that's where I say we have to draw, I kind of draw a fine line because I'm in the home that's been contaminated. I've left it an environment but I've brought in the same environment back and I've brought it into my home with these blankets. Um, so, you know, I think at that point you know, I was out of this environment but now I was going into another environment with the same thing and I brought it basically i brought it into my own home um so i you know it it wasn't long um it I mean, wasn't long before talking days or
1: weeks or months oh it was probably a
2: couple of weeks
1: okay. so it was A couple
2: of weeks <clears throat> and okay. then um and again you know just a lot of things kind of had unraveling and i think that's that that's like i said it's it's a puzzle and if in a, in a if there was more awareness out there and people knew, it wouldn't be such a puzzle anymore. Um, you know, if, why am I sick? Why am I fatigued? What's going on? Um, I don't feel right. Um, you know, aches and pains, bloody waking up bloody noses, I hear that a lot, coughing a lot, um, earaches. If, if the medical world knew a little bit more about this, or, or at least tried to. Well, let's, uh, let's go into a little more on, on
1: your home because you know you had that major issue in the barn itself you took some of that mess into your home sort of unknowingly and and believe me i think all of our all of our listeners are very understanding about the 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 problems that occur as a result of flooding and how you know you're not always necessarily maybe thinking the way you know people on the outside are you're 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 wondering why this has happened to you you're trying to fix the major you know issues first and, and having a wet blanket in your basement that might be moldy is very secondary and we we all understand that although I don't know that everyone would but did you have other water problems in your existing basement as well or was it just yeah
2: we had had we had had um multiple times uh the bulkhead that had gone down had leaked from, again, you know, a, a, a rushing, you know, pouring rainstorm. Okay. Um And, you know, I get, finally got to the point where I, I knew something was wrong, and I, I started, um, it was like a, a an old finished basement with some wood paneling. And I started looking around and tearing things down, and sure enough, there it was, right in between the walls. All and right. uh, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was <laughs> Had I can understand you, why the counts were so high.
1: had you called in anyone prior to doing that self inspection where you kind of started pouring in looking into the walls? Was there any other indoor environmental professionals involved? Or yeah, you- I
2: called two places they came out um, again, um and these weren't remediators, which i I tried to you know keep in my head. I want to get a remediator in here um. That does the actual inspection because I want to make sure that I have it before I start going down that road and um, and you know keep the interest where it needs to be and uh, so yeah I did I had two uh, two companies that had come in they looked and and they found it um, so at that point they wrote up their reports and I decided you know to uh, deal with the insurance company and um, I had mold coverage and um, oh
1: you did that's that's very. That's unusual, actually. So you had—did you buy that special, or or was that just a part of your policy, and you no, didn't know you had my it? No,
2: poli- it was part of my policy. Okay,
0: in two thousand seven. W- was there a five thousand dollar limit on the coverage, or forty
2: thousand dollars?
0: Forty. Okay, that's good. Okay, okay. Yeah. that's an
1: unusual. Um, can you tell us the company? I'm just curious.
2: Oh boy. Um, who was? Um, I think. Um, what was my homeowner's insurance back then? I can't think of it off the That's top all right. of my.
1: It'll come back, and you can and tell us then because we deal a lot with this, and many homeowners policies now exclude mold coverage, or if they don't, they cap off the the amount that you can um, be. I'm you pretty know, sure it was cover. safety insurance. I
2: want to say it was safety.
1: Okay. Uh, and some of them still cover mold to this day. Uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting mix of things. But anyway, so you've got two indoor environmental people that have come in. Um, they recognize that you have located this source of uh, mold contamination in your basement. You've also been exposed pretty heavily in your garage. You brought some back into your garage. Can you walk us through next did they write you a protocol to give to remediation contractors to come in and clean your home?
2: Yeah, well, basically, they basically wrote down what they had found, that, that there was mold in the house. Um, and then, of course, the insurance guy comes in with, you know, air testing. And, you know, his air testing, he says, you know, it's, it's not enough. It's fine. You, you know, his normal amounts, Um, hmm. uh, Literally out the door in two seconds. I mean, they definitely didn't want to remediate. It was quite obvious. Um you know, my health was pretty deteriorated at this point, and I also, you know, would add that my animals—I've lost all of my pets. They all—they uh, all just started dropping. Um, I had what three dogs and uh, three cats. The they were all gone, like within probably six months of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, all the same symptoms: breathing, hot skin, um, um, vomiting. Um, all having, like, a heart problems. I had the, the one uh, little bass that had cardiomyopathy, and none of these animals had any prior health issues at all. Of course, oh. in the vet tech, they had the best care, and they were in the best shape. Um, wow. So it, it ran rampant.
1: Now, okay, so you you got this report. Um, did you have a remediation contractor come in and, and try to clean up the, the situation?
2: Insurance company just said that they couldn't find anything. They weren't going to cover it. Okay. Yeah. They said we find nothing.
1: Okay, so, so you left, um, is that, uh, do I understand that right? You left at that point?
2: Oh, yeah, I, I okay. didn't have much, I didn't know what much to do. I mean, I knew I was sick. I knew I was starting to get what was going on here, and um, I was sleeping in my car. But wait, I was sleeping in my car at night. Cindy, I'm um, a little
1: confused. I, maybe I misunderstood. I thought you said they covered the, the remediation. The, the no,
2: the insurance company. Well, the insurance company who came out. I mean, I have coverage from old, but they they were insisting that there was that they couldn't find it.
1: Okay.
2: That okay. it didn't exist. Okay. Um, yeah. They, and regardless, I mean, and I, I like I said, I had you know fired you know two other companies come out prior to find it for that very reason, so I could hand it to them and say here you go, and they were like, well, we're going to do our testing and our testing shows it's negative, so you know there's no claim here.
1: Okay. And then, so you never did get it remediated?
2: No, nope, I moved.
1: I see. Okay. <laughs> I moved. Okay. That's all I needed to. I wanted to yeah. kind of set the stage a little bit for, for our listeners as to what your situation was. And as I understand it, if I recall from one of our, our correspondences, you moved out, but some other people stayed.
2: Yes. Yes, okay. they
1: did. And they're not having any problems, is that? Well,
2: you? my mother has been there, and she's been ill. Um,. Uh, but again not not um well she 's had pneumonia twelve times this year um, and and again, feel like this is the aspect of this is so huge for so many people um, that you start to find out um, like I found out you know I have a genetic predisposition, I have a problem in my genes that makes me uh, causes me the inability to make antibodies towards mold. Um, and how did you
0: find that out?
2: That's a very simple way of doing this, and I wish people all around the world would know about it because it's simple and it's free testing. Um, well, how I got it done was it's called HLA testing. They do it through bone marrow, uh, bone marrow registries. And basically what you do is you, um, you have to sign up to be a bone marrow donor, um, and they send you a kit. And that kit is just a small swab. You swab inside of each of your cheeks. You send it back. They send you back your results of your DNA typing. And within that DNA typing, <clears throat> it will show you whether or not you're a mold-susceptible person. If you're a multi-susceptible person to other infections, it shows that there's a genetic defect. It's actually looking at the tissue, your tissue. Um, this test, by me having this test done, obviously I'm not on the bone marrow transplant um, donors list anymore and i hope that too that they can recognize that some people out there they're accepting as patients as donors when they have this illness and they should not be giving you know bone marrow um but you can actually um find out that you have this gene um 25 percent of the population does have this gene does it always cause problems no um I guess it would depend. But again, I'm not a doctor. Maybe on the amount of
1: exposure you have. Um, okay, I and mean, I think we make that clear to everyone. We're talking to a patient, not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Cliff's not a doctor. We've interviewed a lot of doctors. I play a doctor on, now on TV. But uh, just just <laughs> a little joke there. Uh, but anyway, Cindy, I'm I'm very curious about this specific test. And I, I you, if you could just tell us what you know. When you give me the number 25% have this genetic predisposition, where does that information come from? Did it come from the people that, that gave you the test, or is that something you got from another? That number
2: MD? actually is came from a Dr. Richie Shoemaker. I okay. think we all know Dr. Richie Shoemaker. We um, do. We've had um, him on a bunch study. of times. Okay. Uh,
1: all right. That's what I needed to know because I can yeah. refer listeners back to our past shows with Dr. Shoemaker, and yeah. that is his... His um, theory of why essentially several people in a home may not have any reaction to a mold situation or a dampness issue, and others have a, a more severe reaction as you. exactly
2: exactly okay. and you know the one gene is passed on to whoever, and I think that you know the next generation, and I think that if that next generation had proper testing, they would know where where they were safe in their environment, okay. if, if they are or
1: not. But what you taught me and what I want to teach other people here is, um, first of all, I didn't know this testing was free as long as you're going to donate bone marrow or you're going on the, the list as a donor, I guess. But mm-hmm. secondly, I'm wondering who told you, was it the people that, that gave you the test that told you you had this particular gene, or did you have to find that out from Dr. Shoemaker's group?
2: No, actually, I know about it because of just animal, um, you know, being in animal medicine.
1: Okay, uh-huh. okay. This is and fascinating. I kind don't of right? knowledge,
2: it's like a tissue typing, so it would, it would show it in the tissue.
1: I see. And, and is that pretty common type of testing in veterinary medicine?
2: Well, we usually, like, I, I mean, we... Again, we're pretty hands-on and with no voices. <laughs> um, we, you know, again, we have to take a different approach than doctors do. Um, you know, we're a little bit more um, eyes and hands-on, and and we we cover all bases. I mean, sure. you know, we no stone unturned for us um, because again, you know, animals don't speak. Cause we have to kind of count on how they're presenting.
1: Well, that's a great uh, point. That's a great point. I'm just kind of trying to lay the the groundwork. Now, we've got to take a short break. We'll take a 90-second break. We have to thank our sponsors who are the reason we're able to do this show for free for folks. And we'll be right back with Cindy Sullivan. We're having an interesting discussion here from a patient's perspective on dampness and mold-related illness. We'll be right back.
3: Thanks to our association sponsors. The Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers
1: gray wolf sensing solutions who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test
3: instrumentation visit them at wolfsense.com legends environmental insurance services the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years learn about them at legends-enviro.com and of course our marquee sponsors Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com.
1: John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at
3: www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C L E A N F A X dot com and C M M online dot com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, we're
1: back with the second half of our interview today with Cindy Sullivan. She's a patient of Dr. Irene Grant's out of the Boston, Massachusetts area. We're talking dampness and mold related illness, the patient's perspective. Cindy, when we went on the break, we were talking about the, the bone marrow testing. Um, but I, I've got a text question I want to get to first. And I want to go back just one step. One of our listeners asked, um, insurance guy does air testing, but the walls are down and it's there. Um, I'm not sure that kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to some of us. So, um, did he see where the walls opened up and he could visibly see there was mold there and he still no,
2: t- okay. no they had to they had to like me pretty much go you know, like I said in, in my situation you know it was a it' was a finished basement with the, the foundation and then paneling from you know the 70s or something put up there and um, okay
1: so he was there before you had to that get was through they you know,
2: had to you had to get through
1: okay he was there before that was pulled down. Um, I'm sorry he was he was there. the adjuster came out and looked at your walls before they were removed, and you could see behind them,
2: yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: He took an air yeah. test, said no, no coverage all yeah. right and that cliff I, I'm just wondering, would you like to comment on what people in Cindy's shoes should do in that situation?
0: and uh, I'm not sure that I understand Okay, the I've question.
1: got a claims adjuster that comes in. He does an air sample or takes some kind of sample, I guess, and and says, "Hey, there's no mold here. Um, we're not there's no coverage."
0: Well, I mean, certainly an air sample in a house is going to show uh, it's going to show something. I mean, certainly there's going to be some fungi. You know that's in the air, and it would seem that me. It would seem to me that the levels would probably be elevated. You know, based on the information that you know that Cindy gave us. You know, we know that oftentimes they're going to uh, run a sample outside, and then they're going to run a sample inside. And they're going to have some sort of uh, you know comparisons. And you know, what I'm thinking is that, and you know, Cindy not being a technical expert on remediation, you know, knowing a lot about. Uh, you know, animals and, and veterinary treatment, you know, people come into your house, uh, you know, it would seem that the adjuster probably didn't do it either. You know, they probably would have sent someone in order to do it, a hygienist or, or someone like that. So, you know, I think that there's probably some confusion, uh, you know, in terms of, of really the report. And also, you know, it would seem that if you, began opening things up you can certainly call them back or send them photos and and show them uh, you know what you found I think insurance companies would be willing to open the claim uh, you know if they have additional information
1: and if right. there's coverage and, and if there's co- okay that's what I wanted to do is make sure that those listening trying to get help had some idea now let's say you do open it up you do find mold you feel there's coverage but they are not giving you the coverage, what's the next step for those that are in that situation?
0: Um, I think at that point, I think there's a couple of things one could do. You know, one is to uh, you know talk to an attorney. Another would be to discuss the matter with a public adjuster. Okay.
1: That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. I just wanted to get it out there for those that are listening to the show. Now, Cindy, I want to go on to the next step here. And and early in the interview you mentioned a blood test. Okay. Now we we talked about the bone marrow test to see if you were genetically susceptible, but there's another blood test that you have been using and I, I think Dr. Grant uses. Was Dr. I do. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is?
2: Yes. Um that test is called it has multiple names. Um it's called bd glucan and it's also called a fungitel S. A. Um It is the only FDA-approved blood test um, that will show invasive infection. Um, There should be a standard of care for anybody who has been exposed to mold, is sick, and and thinks that they have an infection. Um, And unfortunately, it's not. It's highly used in people who have AIDS, HIV, cancer, and diabetes. That's probably the first blood test that they will run to if their doctor is questioning the fungal infection. But for those who are genetically, you know, predisposed as I am and um, they don't know much about it, it's often looked at as, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, and you could never have that. So we're not going to do it because you could never have that. And well, I think that's, you know, that's the sad part of it. But <clears throat> I think you uh, hit a
1: key point there, Cindy, though. That's that's a key point. Um Many MDs, those that are less um, uh, aware of the the state of the art in this industry would say that if you, unless you were immune compromised, you had the diabetes, the AIDS, et cetera, that you, there's a very low or almost no likelihood, and I, I don't want to speak for MDs, but I think I understand what you're getting at. There's low or no likelihood that you would have a fungal infection, and therefore they wouldn't do this test, and one of your goals today is to help get the word out that maybe that test should be run more commonly even on those who do not have a, uh, a pre-existing situation which would um, open them up for a fungal infection. Is that accurate oh, to say?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it should be a standard of testing just as it is, is to have your throat swab for strep. Um, and, and we do use this test in animals. We do do this test in animals, and we think that there is a systemic infection. Um, if they've cut themselves outside and, they, you know, they're in that environment with dirt and whatnot, uh, we, we, we go for it. We go for it right away, and it's the first thing we think of. Is we this a very expensive test? fungal.
1: Is this a very expensive test, Cindy?
2: Um, well, if you could pay for it privately, um, which is very pricey, um, where you would actually, I mean, that's the whole problem. If we could get a doctor to just put the order in, the test is $130, and insurance covers it. Um,
1: but if almost all insurances
2: cover it. Um, if a patient is desperate and, and really believes that they have this and their doctor isn't listening to them, um, I, myself, actually went to Bioscience Laboratories, um, and they had the doctor order the test for me, and that was more like about $500.
1: Okay. And, and can you tell But it got
2: the help. It gets you help. It gets eyes to open and say, oh, my gosh, you do have this. And, 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 and again, these are the, so it's such the key things for people to get help without suffering.
0: Cindy, when you got the test results back and it said that you did have some sort of fungal infection, uh, I'm trying to get my arms around whether or not you were infected by multiple uh, types of fungi, you know, uh, one cutaneously and then another internally or was it all the same?
2: Oh no, my cultures were showing and that's another downfall with cultures is you know, they'll say that you're um, colonized with the fungus or the mold and um, or that's normal flora because there's not that much of it. Um, You know, um I think the only downfall about the BD glucan, also called a fungal assay, is um, it only has very few downfalls, um, and, and there is no other test out there um, compared to it. Um, there's there's a few downfalls that it can pick up BD glucan, which is <clears throat> part of our, our normal immune system. We all have BD glucan in us. Um, it can pick up DD-Glucan and two other types of bacterial infection. One is streptococcus C and the other one is uh, Um And then there is, um, if a person has been on Augmentin, um, they shouldn't be tested for at least three weeks after taking the Augmentin to make sure that they, does it doesn't bring their level up. Augmentin um, produces, uh, uh, has mold in it and, and it will increase, it'll increase the results.
1: I've got a text question here from a listener, and they're thinking along the same way as I am. So did these results, did they tell you you're infected with a specific type of fungi, or did you have to do something further to figure that out? And, and if you would, please, if you don't mind, and I don't think you do, or you wouldn't have volunteered to come on the show, let listeners know what type of fungal infection you are dealing with now.
2: Okay. So, um, again, I'm beauty group contestant, and, again, it's unfortunate and <laughs> And again, this is the quick test for a doctor again who is going to run to the AIDS patient or the cancer patient. This is their quick test that they do to say, okay, they've got a fungal infection. Now we need to figure out which one. Um, Great, And That's my there's point. certain right. ones that don't fit in there, and there's certain ones that will fit in that category uh, of what it will what it will detect. It will detect Aspergillus. Um, it'll detect uh, Penicillium, um, Fusarium. Um, there's seven different fungi that it will detect, um, and there's other ones that it won't zygomycosis, rhizopus, um, mucor. Um, those have low BD glucan, if, if hardly any, in it. In my case, um, I have a bioterroristic um, agent that was found in me, fusarium, and it's also known as yellow rain, um, aspergillus, um, and penicillium.
1: Okay, and I just want to clarify for listeners and, and hopefully. Um, you and I will agree on this. It doesn't necessarily, that that particular test just tells them that you have an, a, a higher level of certain um, either byproducts of the fungi or uh, components of a type of fungi. It doesn't give you the specific fungi, does it?
2: It doesn't, no, that's the downfall of it, if it it doesn't, and and, and that's another downfall in the medical world, is some of these fungus are hard to grow in blood cultures, it's almost impossible. Um,
1: Yep, and Dr. Grant went over that in detail, and I, I urge people that are interested in this to listen to our interview with Dr. Irene Grant, who is Cindy's doctor, now, if you could, Cindy, how did you then figure out that you have the fusarium infection, the aspergillus infection, and I think you said penicillium infection, and and where are they causing you? I mean, where where are they in your body? Is well, this a um, systemic thing that's going through your whole body, or is it right? Well, it did. I mean,
2: again. Um, sinuses were infected. They found again multiple types of, of different kinds of fungus. At one point, they found Rhizopus, and this is a, I'm still finding out at this point that I'm immune compromised as well, um, and I'm not receiving any treatment um, to build my immune system. So I'm hype, what they call hyper infecting at this point. I, I have no immune system, kind of like John Travolta, the boy in the plastic bubble, mm-hmm. um, and. Basically, they just started doing many cultures. And there are certain organisms that live in certain places in your body that are normal, normal fungi, normal bacteria. We all have it. But when they start finding abnormal samples from areas that don't belong there, with me, it was my GYN tract. That's where they found fusarium. Um, um, the GI tract, they started finding Um, um, hyphen, um consistent, and again, they have a hard time growing, um, they found penicillium. That's in
1: particular um, tough to grow is the penicillium, or the, to speciate at least.
4: I'm
2: sorry?
1: That's in, in particular, that is tough to speciate. You can grow yes, penicillium yes. But then determining what species it is, I think. Oh, yes, really it's
2: extremely hard, and it's often confused with Aspergillus as well. They okay. both look so much alike.
1: And how is the, are you still, and, and I want to get into your full treatment with Dr. Grant here in a moment, but before we do that, I'm just curious. What is the current situation? What are what are the plans at this point in time? Are you uh, taking antifungal medications? Are you are you going for some type of operation? And and.
2: Well, I'm and, fighting for my antifungal medications back from my insurance company. Um, they're extremely expensive. I've been um, I tried. I started off on oral medication, but it wasn't it wasn't enough. Um, I had been infected with minimal treatment of just oral you know oral stuff for way too long, and by this time, you know it was systemic. Um, so I've had a pick line in me for um, let's see I met I started seeing Irene in uh, October 2011, November, we had a pick line put in. and um, I started the IV medication. Um, and again, you show by this BD glucan that your numbers are going down. you want a BD glucan should be at a 40. That's normal. Um, right now, I'm currently over 500 Just in not in treatment. Um, it's dangerous, dangerous levels. Um, and basically, um, so I've been, you know, I've been on IV medication. Uh, I've been on capsifungin. I've been on voriconazole by IV. Um, we've mixed the two together. I um, uh, do amphotericin B uh, nasal washes, um, um, swish and swallow, um, and basically... Um, so I'm, that's I, I, I'm looking at resection at this point in my intestine, um, and I'm kind of starting to go down that road with some MRIs and some more current testing as well as some facial surgery. That, uh, I guess I just had some cultures that came back from my face that were pretty bad. So, but when you say from time. your
1: face, is that from your sinus cavity? or? Yeah,
2: okay. yep, yep. And, and it, again, I, I can tell everybody there's so many people out there that are afraid of antifungals and the toxicity of them, and they see that they can't detox it. I think one of the most important things people know is that one of the reasons that they can't detox is because when the fungus gets into your lymph nodes and into your system, it's not like bacteria where it drains and it comes out easily like that. Bacteria is thick. Um, It's thick, it grows, and it's hard for the body to remove it. So I think it's critical that people know that, you know, don't be afraid of antifungals. If your doctor offers them to you, take them and take them exactly what and do exactly what the doctor says because they, they they'll save your life. Doctor Grant saved my life. I was probably 80 pounds when I first met Doctor Grant. I was literally 80 pounds. Wow. Um,
1: and you're on um, a comeback and, now. Yeah, you're you're I'm feeling
2: safe.
1: you're feeling much better now.
2: Well, right now again, this is what the insurance company will do. They have shut me off my medications for against dr. grant's orders um, they've shut me off um, I haven't been on any IV medication for about 60 days <clears throat> so another BD glucan is pulled I was at 324 going down into recovery um, they stopped it I'm back over to 500 again hmm. um, and sometimes the insurance company will make demands they want a tissue biopsy they want this test and they want that and I've already I've gone and had two biopsies done in Again, it's hard to find it, and it's hard to culture it. You have to, you know, and it doesn't even have to do really with um, the facility. There are, are really big research centers that deal with this, and they have, you have to know exactly how to handle the tissue. Um, there can be no mistakes if you want it to come back and come back positive in order to get treatment. So it's always a battle, and I think it's a battle for everybody mm-hmm. from, their, from the time of their doctor, not listening to them, um, you know to insurance covering them uh, they become disabled um, they can't work they can't They can't work there goes the job then they're on disability um, then they're on you know have either no assur- insurance where they're on Medicaid or Medicare and their worlds fall apart their worlds fall apart and I've got testimonies from I don't know how many people sent me letters yesterday 15 people of their stories and Everywhere from RNs that were, you know, at work and and had careers, and uh, another guy here in sales, he's making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and the happiest guy in the world. And he pulled up a carpet, and he has, and he there's nothing to him. He's dwindling. Um, it's just really, it, it's sad. And well. um, people have had to get rid of their cats. And I think another thing, Joe, is really important is that. One of the reasons I really push the fungal essay is because a lot of people, I believe, we're all different. All of us moldies are different. Some people get invasive infection. That's me. Um, some people have chemical sensitivity, and they can once they leave the home and, and, and they clear out, they're okay. Um, but so there's difference in how everybody gets treated. Whether they see an allergist, I always recommend to see an immunologist. Right away to make sure that your immune system is functioning properly, because that's kind of the basis of the next doctor to say, okay, there's something wrong with your immune system, so now you can have this, and now they take that in, into they, they 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 take that into mind, and um, so there's steps, and if I you know I've learned along the way, show the exposure, find out what it was, what were you exposed to. Um, Get the blood test if you can. you can get your doctor to, to do it, you know, ask them to do it. It doesn't hurt. It's one tube of blood, and your insurance covers that. See what that says. See an immunologist. Let him see if he can find a default in the immune system somewhere. Um, those three basics can save somebody's life. Sorry's life, and it and it's so critical that people realize this, and and doctors. And I think that. I think that they will. We're hopeful that they will because it's a, it's a horrible illness, and um,
1: well, I, I, I,
2: you know, I just I, I hear stories, and, I, and it's 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 horrible.
1: I know you're out, and and you're you're you want this message to go out to people, and we really appreciate having you. Um, we're running low on time. I'd like to bring in our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow. uh okay. Dietrich is a PhD in indoor uh, occupational and environmental medicine. Uh, and he's a frequent, he, he listens to every show. I'd like to bring him on, him on, get some of his comments, and then give you a last chance to make sure that anything we missed, you get to
2: add. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Move him on, hit him up, hit him up. Move him on, move him on, hit him up. Raw high. Cut him out, ride him in,
1: ride him in. Let him out, cut him out. Ride him in. Raw Let's see. First, Cliff, any final questions for you before we go to data?
0: I I, I do, Joe. I just have one quick one. Uh, Cindy, thanks for for joining us. My my question is, you you had mentioned uh, Dr. Shoemaker. Did you uh, see him? Were you a patient of Dr. Shoemaker's as well?
2: No, but interesting. I'll I'll say this quick because I know we're on time. But um, approximately about 20 years ago, I was in my early 20s. um, I had changed doctors. Um I I was tired of going back to the doctor for the same sinus infection and, and here's a very good example for all you listeners out there. Um there are signs that your children are predisposed or that you're you have an immune issue and that is recurrent infections. Um you have to go back and you have to get more antibiotics. It didn't work, you need more. That's one first sign. So basically I got tired of, of, of doing that and again the immune system wasn't even thought of of, of, of being an issue. And I, I got a wonderful doctor, uh, Dr. John Katzenberg, <clears throat> um, and he was the one who started noticing. And he would tell me, there's something wrong with you. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong with you. You get way too many infections. You know, there's something not quite right. And he begged me, and he wanted me to just go to NIH, and he wanted me to see Dr. Shoemaker. He said, I think you had this, and they called it back then, you had this extremely rare disease. And he said, it is so rare, but I almost guarantee you that you have it. And I I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe it. And he told me, if you don't go, I can't take care of you because something's going to happen to you. I'm not going to have to deal with you. you have, there's something wrong. And I said, you know, I didn't have the time. I didn't. I said, I, I can't go to NIH for eight weeks. I just had a daughter, and I was working, and and so... <clears throat> I went back to my old doctor, and it was a, it was a very big mistake. Um, who didn't accept this at all, and again, it's been you know it's been a fight. And um, so I think everybody you know who's listening, it's so critical that you know the early signs, um, have your house checked. There's so many companies out there that do it. Tennessee Mold Company. You can have your whole house tested for eighty dollars just to show what you were exposed to and there are simple steps to get the right care and i think that's what happens with a lot of us they they're scrambling and they don't know what to do anymore and they don't know how to get their care but there is help out there if if steps are taken and and knowledge of what what's going on
1: let's get uh, Dr. Wow on the line <laughs> Right. Dieter, we have you on the line. By the way, Cindy, we can go a little over here if you can. Can you stick around another couple minutes?
2: Sure.
1: All right, Dr. Weil always has some interesting comments. Dieter, what do you got? Uh, yeah,
4: well, I do. And uh, th- this is uh, 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 incredibly interesting to me. Uh, and uh, I have one question for Cindy. I mean, with the blood test, do you have circulating antibodies to a specific mold or mold in general, I mean there are, well, whatever, a hundred thousand different molds out there.
2: Correct, correct. Um, from my understanding, um, this is a B. D. Glucan Sanjito essay. Um, what it does, they also call it an FPT, which is a fine particle testing. Okay. Once the body is exposed, as you know, a fungus doesn't break down, normally it like, doesn't treat, isn't like bacteria in any real aspect. Um, but after it breaks down in the tissue in a while, it gets into the blood. This test is able, to, is able to determine how much particle of fungus and mold you have in your body. And actually there is a new test out through Quest Diagnostics that is done only in Colorado, that is a blood test that will determine exactly what type of mold is living in your body. Um, I, I just had seen it it's a recent new one, and it'll be on my list for Irene to pull. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Um, yeah, so, no, I mean, it's... Um, I mean,
4: there are, and that is what I don't quite understand. In your body, somewhere, in your lymphatic system, in your blo- you know, blood, wherever, mm-hmm. are... Life mold spores multiplying? Yes. Oh. Yeah, okay. and it
2: depends whether there's some of them can be, I mean, different molds, as you know, doctor, can be um, where they're, where they're uh, asexual or they're, and, and some reproduce, some, um, and some some don't. The body, the human body, is a perfect place for mold to grow. It's mold, oh, sure, dark, absolutely. and warm. <laughs> yeah.
4: for, for many of them, you know. It's moist enough and the temperature is right, we know that. Right. The other thing is that kind of interests me is I'm pretty sure, and I don't know that, I assume that, you know, your DNA from birth didn't change over the next, whatever, 30 years or 20 years, whatever.
2: That's right. And that was the biggest clue to show, you know, again, I've, you know... and I've been lucky. I Knock on wood. I have, you know, nothing happened to me from the time I was born till now. That this didn't happen to me at a younger time, especially when I was out digging in the dirt. I mean, I know in my in my own instance, now that I've had, you know, tons of immunological testing done, my problem is with anything in the soil. So I need to, you know, I I could I could catch anthrax very easily if. Oh I, sure. I could catch...
4: Hopefully, it continue. Yeah. Continuously. yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's like, and that's just, and that's me, and that's why I tell people, like, it's so important for them to know their immune status. You know, what can they be around, what can they not be around, and to keep them safe and their children.
4: Well, um, see, here, here is one thing I have been saying, and there are 10,000, not 10,000, but many arguments against it. Okay. On the day you are born, uh... I think they should take, and it's easily done on the day you are born, a blood test, and that should be tattooed on your uh, on your foot somewhere. Uh, it took me 70 years to find out that I'm A plus. That's the grade with which I graduated from everything. <laughs> 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 Therefore, I will never forget it. <laughs> uh, just kidding. No, that's great, I'd like. Um, and to so you. I'm uh, A plus. Why don't why don't we tattoo that on the foot and there's that, there it is? Yeah, I know. And maybe another one. I mean, in your case, yeah, this is the other thing that interests me. And I tell you why. I was working for the Bayer Chemical Corporation, and we were interested in sensitization and circulating antibodies. We did research at the University of Pittsburgh for that and all of that. And uh, we were looking. We were looking at exactly what you were saying. Is there a person who, unfortunately, is predisposed to get an allergy? Yep. Uh, is, is that there? We tried. Uh, we could find the allergy later on after it was there. Right. But we never found a test where we could say here. Yeah. Joe is going to get it, and Jim is not going to get it.
2: That's right. That's right. And I think, again, it's, that's why this HLA testing that's, is yeah, And you quit
4: it. I mean, it's not a standard test. You don't go around the corner and no. get it done.
2: Nope, you don't.
4: No, but I think right. you're right.
2: I think Oops. everybody should have it done. Yeah. They're born, so we should know. I'm so glad you agree with me. <laughs> oh, I do. I do 100%, Doctor. I 100% agree with you. I'll back okay. you up on that.
4: The other thing is, okay, you probably basically based before the flood in the stables, and I, by the way, grew up with horses too. My my mother raised them, uh, 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 stadium jumpers, by the way. <laughs> oh,
2: nice, nice.
4: I know they are nice. Hanoverana, <laughs> in Germany, of course. And um, but you were around. Was men just like I was. Yep. And you shoveled that, and I did that, and I was long before that one incident. Now, here is a good, here is a question, and I'm pretty, nobody has the answer, I don't think. But there you were, you were around it, and everything went well, you went home, you went to sleep, you had a baby, and everything was fine. And that one day, all of a sudden, after the flood, something happened. Mm-hmm. Now, is that, and... That happens sometimes in other allergic reactions. The body, the system has to get overwhelmed.
2: Mm -hmm. And you
4: had a huge exposure, not the one you had before, a huge exposure on that day when the flood and after the flood, and you took the stuff home and it was in your house. Mm -hmm. That was a huge. Did that one trigger? I mean, did that one overwhelm your existing uh, immune system?
2: Well, that's one of the things like, that my immunologists will say, and that's where they fight, and you know, I become the big write-up. Unfortunately, they say, you know, you're the new. There's no there's no name to your immune problem. You don't you have PID, but you also have complicated variable immune disease. I mean, they tell me there's not a name, and they said. The weird thing that they're having a difficult time with me is, um, I don't, I don't make antibodies to certain things. Um, well, yeah. And they don't know why, and then my body reacts, but then it stops to react. It, it, it'll initially react to infection, but then it stops, and they don't know why.
4: Yeah, I'm on exactly the opposite end of the spectrum, which is yeah, you know, for your health. Well. We are all hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 outbred and not inbred, and that's why we are hopefully all very, very different. Right. And I have just the exact opposite uh, a problem. not problem, it's a, a blessing. Would you believe that I, earlier this year or maybe late last year, at the tender age of seventy-three or seventy-four, depends. I forgot when. I had the first cold in my life. Wow. I and and uh, I said uh, and uh, I went through one box of Kleenex. My nose was dripping, no malaise, no fever, no nothing. I mean, it was. I had a handkerchief in my pocket. In fact, I had two handkerchiefs in my pocket pocket just because I, I needed them. Yeah. And I got over it, and yeah, two weeks, not even a week later, I was fine. And I said, guys, I think I had a cold. I said, what the heck are the people complaining about a cold? There's nothing to it. Well, I had a cold, and I was in bed, and I had a fever, and I was aching, and I <laughs> it's, it's uh, like I said, that's where I am, on the other spectrum. Right. And, I mean, for you, I mean, yeah, you've got, you, you, you got to feel sorry for somebody like that, and I have friends who have, you know, allergies to this and that and the other. It is tough to to walk through life with that, when you can't do this and that and that.
2: Oh, absolutely, and I think people walk a fine line like they don't know, like, is this allergy, or do I have an immune problem? And again, I mean, I I was very lucky and fortunate, literally right down the street from me, I have, you know, a wonderful immunologist and and, you know, allergist, and right away, I mean, he knew, he said, I know what you have, and... Let's do the blood work. And he did it. And, you know, he started doing some testing and showing I wasn't, you know, I wasn't reacting to anything. And he, he's just, he's dumbfounded because he, he doesn't. You are scary, you know. And your doctor, yeah. whoever your doctor was when you were 20, was on the nose. He knew something. And they've been trying to get records so they can see what he said. And we can't, we haven't gotten a hold of them yet. But,
4: yeah, but um, if you have a very, very rare disease, it's one of the things. If nobody, yeah, if the greatest doctor in the world has never seen it, well, he doesn't know what you have.
2: Yeah, and this is what they say. They say, you know, you have a new name of a new immune disorder. We don't, There's not a name for it. We'll be well, calling it Sullivan, Sullivan's Immune Disorder, you know. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. What it, it, it appears to be one thing, but it, it doesn't come back like that. And for some reason, and they say to me, we don't know how you've made it through life. Like, obviously <laughs> your body is doing something different than other people's do. Um. So it's been, you know, it, it's been it's been a...
4: It's been a long haul. Cindy, You're from Germany? I can see Deutsch? The other thing is, if it makes you feel better, I have an interesting uh, problem with my body. Uh, I have sometimes swallowing problems. And of course, I had somebody put an uh, endoscope in there and uh, I wanted to know whether I had esophageal cancer, which I don't have. And they made pressure measurements and this and that. And I said, uh, there is something wrong with you. We know that, which I knew. I didn't need a doctor to tell me that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and we... he said, there is something wrong with you, but we don't have a name for it. We don't know what it is, but we realize that you have that swallowing problem. Well, right. I now I chew a little bit more, and I got accustomed to it. As long as it's not cancer, I'm, well, I'm not very happy, but I can tolerate it. Let's put it that way. Right, right. right. The right adjustment. Right. And- uh, Anyway, my God, it's 15 pats. That doesn't matter. We have time, but uh, I think that is incredibly interesting to listen to the other side. And I said, "Look, guys, here I am. Uh, It's it's not the common flu that is easily diagnosed, or pneumonia, or yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah, where everybody knows the blood test, right? uh, That is done a thousand times a day, right?" But there you are. You're obviously, you're a very special person.
2: Yeah.
4: And, you know, I, I, I do feel terribly sorry for you. I said, wow. You know, you, they dealt you a lousy hand when you were born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: they sure did. They sure yeah. did. Well, hey, and, again, well, I totally agree with you, doctor. I believe that that should be tattooed right on your foot. and you should be Not a medical doctor.
4: I, I, I have a doctorate in the sciences, so. And I know something about small particles. You mentioned that. I don't think that small particles get into your bloodstream, but that doesn't matter right now.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, listen, we've got to wrap it up here. Um, Okay. Cindy, any final comment for you? And I I do want to point something out. We've had a lot of chat back and forth about the testing thing. Um, Did you not tell me, and I don't recall, that you didn't like the home test kits, the the People may buy for doing this type of uh, testing. Well, you own. know the
2: Home Depot, the stuff that sells like that. I just think that they're not. I don't think they're sufficient for the patient who has become sick. Well, I think uh, our our professionals accredited would accredited lab testing well, I, that I they our, can bring into their doctor and say, "Look at, you know, here's the test results. Here's my exposure. Here's th- here's the test results. You know." Um, not a mail-in uh, twelve ninety-five on top of the fourteen ninety-five you just spend at Home Depot for a little petri dish.
1: Well, and I think our professionals out here would totally agree with you on that. But I think where they're having a little problem is how can a lab do an eighty-dollar test, which is still very low cost compared to what yeah. we do, and still give you some reasonable, accurate idea of what what type of test is that? Is it like an air sample? Is it? Oh, a- that's
2: the same thing. It's a, they're petri dishes and. Um, I had my first one done to IMS, but they were pretty, they were expensive. Um, and then I found... I went to the things. website,
0: Joe, that had, like, a package of, like, five of these things.
2: For yeah, about yeah, 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 exactly. They come in with a package. I mean, you could probably buy them off the uh, Internet and, and put them in your house, but you, you need to have it done to a company, which, is you know, is accredited. And I think, again, a lot of people, you know, if money is an issue or, you are know, finding out, you know, and, or they just want to find out what is going on, no it's a it's a good way to get it's a starting ground it's a starting ground to show these are my exposure this is what 's going on and if high enough um, it, it's a lot into medical evidence
1: okay well i i think what i i think what our professionals would hope you and the others that you talk to with these issues would encourage people to to get a good, thorough visual inspection by someone who understands these issues, understands moisture intrusion, understands that oh, yeah. uh, testing doesn't always pick up actually um, existing issues, and and that's very important for people to understand as well. Don't don't try and uh, we don't want people to save money on the investigation side of things. No,
2: no, no. And I'm saying I think that's a, a a quick and again a quick way to if somebody, is again, does not have the ability or the, or the money or the funds to do to get to that route yet. You know what I mean? That is a, a great way of saying, okay, now I know that I'm exposed, and this is what I'm finding. Now, Then they take the next step.
1: And you I take, wouldn't rule out exposure based on that test either. Uh, that would be my caution to people, you know, be, right. because they don't okay. always pick things up. Um, right, exactly, exactly. Okay. And then, Cindy, is there anything before we go that, that we missed that you'd like to add?
2: Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, um, I think I've gone way over my time, and I mean, I could go on. Hey, I mean, bro, I could we, probably talk to you
1: guys forever. Um, <laughs> we really appreciate having you, though, and uh, we oh, do. Oh, I
2: appreciate you guys having me.
1: All right. Well, listen, Cindy Sullivan, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. We're going to wrap things up here on my end. This is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest, our 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 patient advocate this week, Cindy Sullivan. We really appreciate having you. I want to thank my co-host, the Z-Man, back there at McKee's Rock. Z-Man, great job. Good show. Yep,
0: thank you, Trump.
1: Of course, uh, Roxy V here at the controls, uh, typing out answers to questions (laughs) and keeping us running straight. Thank you. Of course, I want to thank Dr. Dietrich Wow, as always, for joining us, our technical director. Most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners. Thank you all for joining us, and please come back next week for the next episode of IAQ Radio.
0: IAQ radio production.